Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Passion of Brew. I'm here with my partner, Nathan. Happy to be here again, Lamont. And we are joined by... Alex Folks, owner-operator of the great-famed Penny Lane Pub. Woohoo! In Old Saybrook, Connecticut. Ooh, all right. And who came down to visit from Rhode Island? Patrick Bailey, uh, sales rep for Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Mass for Altex Lexington Brewing and Distilling, the makers of Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale and Town Branch Bourbon. So, Nate, ever been to a beer dinner? You know, I've been to a couple, and uh, they're a lot of fun, actually. Um, and depending on which one, I've been to a couple. I should say I've been more than a couple, but I, I've been to some that were just god-awful, but, you know, the beer was good. <laughs> uh, sometimes the beer sucks, sometimes the food sucks, you know, and then you get those ones that, you know, both of them are great, and that's the place you go back to. <laughs> now, what's the difference? With, you've been to wine dinners, too, haven't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a little... Uh, basically set up the same, you know, in the way that they're uh, conducted, as far as I can tell. I mean, never having put one on or really being on the inside of doing one, I'm just more like the uh, the guy that shows up and show be the face of the uh, place that puts it on. Um, but I, I can't say that, um, I, I really don't know much about wine, so I'm just, it's like, I, I know, what I know about wine, I'm not like a huge wine guy because I'm, I'm more of a beer guy. Mm -hmm. So at the wine dinners, I walk in and it's like usually they the food and the product match perfectly wonderfully because wine and food just are wonderful together. Uh, beer is harder to cook with in general, so you know it's not always the best um, combo. You know, in some places, but I've plenty of places have knocked it out of the park. And I do have a theory that beer is better paired with food because beer can go places wine can't. Beer has that bitter aspect if you want to have a, a unique dish. And beer can go sweet, it can go... Sour. Sour, exactly. I mean, so it can go all levels, but um, I, I can't really speak too much about, about like pairing with food and going with beer. Like, uh, I, I've thought about it a lot. Like, what would I pair this this with and that? I'm, I'm not good with it, so. Um, that's why I started cooking <laughs> in my own spare time. To, try to get my head wrapped around it to try to get better at it, but I'm still such an amateur, so. I mean, if you think about like all of the terms that everybody uses when they're just drinking a beer, right? Like you can smell this beer, right? And you get, what do you get? You get caramel, you know? You get, you get sweetness, you get like breadiness from the malt, you get the vanillins from the oak. I mean, there's just, there's so much going on in beer that wine is, is a great pairing. Um, there's carbonation, which is, you know, <laughs> the the key yes. a lot of times but you know the the hops can be herbal they can be citrus they can be fruity they yeah. can be you know floral floral they can you know you can have your your malt can be dark and coffee it can you know so it's like all of those and the yeast you know is spicy and you know phenols and esters and all those things coming out that like you can match up you can compare you can contrast I mean, it's amazing this guy taught me most of what I know about beer dinners so I'll let him take it away. Take it away, Pat. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I yeah, I don't know if I taught him. I more uh, introduced, him, him. introduced him, and then he, he took it away with his own imagination. But, yeah, beer dinners are fun. I They bring two great things together, food and beer. And, you know, like Alex said, and I'll, I'll always put this, that beer, you know, as they say, is a better 
preparer of food than wine. And the reason why is because there's a thousand more flavors in beer than there is in wine. Like, I think wine, there is a certain threshold of different flavors that are going to accompany wine. When you get beer, I mean, you could go, I could take every grape you got in a wine and make it into a beer and then add 17 different other flavors to it. And so where that... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, go ahead. Break that down for me. Okay. So... Uh, you can take grape or you grape... You can take grapes and make a beer out of it. And make beer yeah. out of the grape. You just need a fermentable sugar. Um, or, I'm sorry, fermentable starch that you boil down into sugar. And that then you add the yeast and then that's what creates the alcohol and all that. So you can do that as a beer too. There's... There's beers out there that use Sangiovese grapes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, there's... Are they any good? Have I ever had any? Uh, not to I, my knowledge. I, I never... Well, if you didn't to introduce you. me to yeah. it, then I, I, I haven't had it. I, I can't think of one. I don't one. see too many of them around. They're, they're you see do rare. Dogfish does the grape the grape must. Uh, yeah. The, they do, like, Cabernet must and, yeah. and things like that. There was a beer from Napa Valley that did one. I can't think of the name of it. But you see them out there. Evil Twin, I've seen them. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could take it, but then this is the cool thing. So you have, say you have a Sangiovese grape or a Chardonnay grape, and then you could take like hops and add that flavor into it. You could also add some malt to it mm -hmm. and create that flavor. So does that kind of... Yeah. Okay, that answers your question yeah. on what that is. So there could be 17,000 different flavors. And I, I also can't tell you that in actuality that beer does, it's my opinion. My humble opinion that beer goes better with food than wine. Although Alex did his best to disprove that <laughs> in the wine versus beer uh, contest. Yeah, we have to talk about that. We, yeah, we, we certainly will. <laughs> and uh, and then within that, and now you you know you're starting to see. I think you could blame the Food Network and again the internet and social media and Pinterest. There's thousands of different flavors of food that you would never think worked out. You know, like uh, sweet and spicy, like doing a uh, peanut butter and jelly wings. Stuff like that that are coming out to where it's like, wow, there's this whole new flavor of food coming out too. And you start matching it up with that. And yeah, I know I'm kind of rambling on with it, but so with... With that onslaught of different kinds of foods and different kind of beers, uh, the thousand different beers just kind of match up a little bit better in with the food. Now, so when you do your beer dinners, do you work with um, like the chefs and the cooks in the kitchen? So I'll give you how the quick. I'll give you the quick one too on how we do a beer dinner. So I, the salesman, want to you know basically you know you want to you want to get in on it because beer dinners are popular. Mm -hmm. So as, you know, somebody in the salesman, like, I want my beer, obviously, I want my beer to be sold. And, you know, I have this account. I want to try to get him to feature me as the beer dinner because I want to give him more business. I want to have more business. So that's the whole basis of it. So you go into a guy like Alex and you say, hello, Mr. Alex. You go there on the day you see him. Hello, Mr. Alex. Would you like to do a beer dinner? Sure. You know, sure. Great. Okay, great. So first thing you do is you set the date. You break out the old calendar, what date works for you. You don't want to do it on a Saturday night. 
No. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> That's hopefully his busiest night. If Saturday night isn't busy for Alex, maybe you should do a beer dinner somewhere else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like The world might not be long for Alex's restaurant here. So you do it on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when certain things, you know, like the slower nights of the week. I mean, let's face it. Not everybody's rich like you and goes out on a Wednesday night every night, you know. We got to stay home and eat uh, Hungry Man dinners. <laughs> so uh, we'll do it on like a Wednesday night. So you pick that date. Always do it about a month. You want to do it like at least two months out. You need to get the ticket sales. You want to get the signage done. You want to get it up. You can't fast pace a beer dinner. You got to get it marketed properly. Um, okay, great. Got the date set. Got it done. Now I'm going to sit with the chef. These are the beers that I do. Now some chefs, so I'll, I'll say it like this, and it kind of shows to where Penny Lane has grown. When I first uh, did a beer dinner here, we basi I, I basically walked them all the way through it. Uh, it was a lot of my recipes paired with a lot of their food, uh, my, you know, my recipes that I kind of gave Wilson as a base, but then he kind of took one ingredient, did a couple of things, and then showed him which beer he could pair with each one. But then, so that's the way that went on like a very beginner's basis. But then like as a second and third dinner, beer dinner came around, I would show Wilson, I would end up just giving Wilson four or five samples of the beer I had. And then he would like start working it out. So he would taste the beer. So you wouldn't have to give him as much of an education. He could just use his palate he, and decide. Him and Alex started pouring themselves into it. Like they knew which flavors they were looking for. You know, and it was the help of educating the the retailer to what it is. So anyway, so yeah, we go down like whether they know it or not, you could you help them write the menu. Mm -hmm. Here's the beers, here's the menu, and then help them write the menu. Now, a lot of chefs now, especially ones that are educated like Wilson and Alex, I'm gonna tell them what beers and then they're gonna they might be open for suggestions, but they're gonna have an idea of where they wanna go with it. Now, some try to, then there's kind of two concepts within that. You could do a, oh, I always, contrary parent. Contrast, yeah. Contrast. You, you can echo it. You can. You, you echo, um, there's a better word for it, but you could do like flavors. So if I have a malty beer, I could do like some kind of chocolatey dish with it. Mm -hmm. um, if I have something florally, kind of um, earthy, um, yeah, like that earthy bitterness, you might want to do something with mushrooms and lettuce and that kind of flavor. Right, something that's more like compatible. Compatible, yeah, to correct. Contrast. Or you, so then there's another flip the script where you could do contrast and flavors where I could have sweet and sour, you know, like a very malty beer versus like a lemon tart and like having that go something like that. So then you kind of work out that menu, set the date, then they start doing ticket sales with the signage and all that. Generally, they wanna to get to at least 15 to 20 people in the beer dinner or it's really not worth it. Um, then we go in it that day. Um, we like to always kind of do four courses. Yeah, four, four to five, we'll do five sometimes. Like our last one, we did five. The one before that, I think we did four. It's kind of depending. I think now we've switched to five because it's nice yeah. transition into people. Nobody comes on time, you know, yeah. not everybody comes on time. Right. So it's, you start at six, you got people coming at 5.45 and 6.15. So 
we like to do the, the first course just right on the table with like this last one we did at a cheese little cheese board per table mm-hmm. and with like the first what well, we did the wine and beer so yeah. we had the wine and the beer on the table you get here kind of relax we'll talk to you tell you about the pairing you know why we did it and uh i won that one i won the first one with you beer did. even though i voted against that yeah and you yeah. know so and then you get the customers in here and when you're given a beer dinner i mean most of the beer dinners i've done i'm not saying you can't do it you can't bog them down with science a quick one two on why i always tell them how to taste the beer how to go through the steps of tasting a beer uh, appearance taste mouthfeel finish kind of deal um how to taste food with the beer like take i always tell them take a bite of the food swallow it take a sip of the beer now take a bite of the food and then while the food's in the mouth take a sip of that beer and you'll see the whole the whole process of how that's pairing and like all the different new flavors that are coming in your mouth so it's helping them to see beer as food exactly to make a long story longer yes beer as food beer as food yep nice yeah and then uh, we and alex and i when we do uh beer dinners we mix in stories people like to hear stories because you could also lose the crowd really fast because you got 40 50 people that are drinking and you know like i once i have one in me i start talking this podcast you, you don't need one yeah <laughs> as this podcast is showing here um get myself in trouble but um i think it's important to note too that people are genuinely interested like people yeah. want to as soon as you start talking whether it be one-on-one or you know uh talking in front of a room like people perk up and they're interested all you got to do is give them one little you know fact about you know the history of it mm-hmm. you know or how beer is made and you know they you got eyes on you you know people are genuinely interested mm-hmm. don't stand in the corner pace the room walk around the room have a barrel voice and the real secret is you now this is a big trade secret trivia prizes <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you roll around with the trivia prizes oh, they all stop and listen. You, yeah, I play. Uh, I play a game. Stump the beer guy. I'm a. I'm a whiz of useless knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I tell them, you name a category of trivia you think you're good at. I'll ask a question to the room, and whoever gets it right gets the T-shirt. Now, <clears throat> I always kind of start off with my '80s trivia, like uh, 16 Candles, like. Uh, you know the part where the, the Chinese uh, guys, Molly like, Ringwald. Yes. So movie? the Chinese guy is on top of the bed, sticks his head down, and says this to Molly Ringwald. Do you know what it is? Hi. <laughs> I love you. What? I love you. Was no, that no, it? I don't know. What's <laughs> happening, hot stuff? We were close. See? Oh yeah, we were close. <laughs> <laughs> so. People giggle because they remember 16 games. Yeah, I remember yeah, 16. Who doesn't 16. remember 16? And then everything in between. So, and you, you got So, us, now yeah. compared to a wine dinner, that's more of a. Uh, sounds freer. It yeah. sounds like engaging, yeah. like interactive more so. I mean, at the wine dinners, you, you have the QA where, you know, they open up the floor, you ask questions, but this seems more, well, for lack of a better word, fun. Yeah. They're fun. They're fun, right? I'll say this. I'll give a my boy Rob Rustico, who did the um, 
He probably stole it from me because he saw one of my beer dinners and how I run them. So I'm pretty sure he took everything from me. No, I'm just joking. But he actually held a really interactive one and he did something a little bit different. What they did is they worked every table. They just, instead of having the big barrel voice for everybody to hear, mm-hmm. they kind of introduced the, um, they introduced the uh, course and then they would go to each table which is another way of doing it as well. Well, how many of them are there to do that? And how many uh, there, were, there were actually two, I think there were two of them, three of them. Yeah, there was, uh, yeah, so it was Rob, he had one. We featured, so we featured Omegong, which you have the sweatshirt yep, on, yep, yep. Uh, versus J-Lore Winery. So they had a rep from J-Lore, um, and then they had Robert, um, and then one of his um, colleagues, Travis. And then they worked the tables. Yeah. So and that's another way to do it too. Like I do that for when if I have about if I have about sixty people, I'll start working tables because it's it's kind of you start losing people at that point, and it's hard to carry the voice. And like I've done a beer dinner for two hundred people hmm. by yourself. I, uh, I had a little helper, but he helped me work the tables. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot. I mean, I, I could see yeah, I could see how they get lost, and also I, I've noticed a lot of times people. After a couple, they start getting into their table, having a good time, and sometimes they don't always pay attention. And then, you know, they, they, you lose a table just from the fact of them interacting with each other. With each other, sure. And that's when you have the trivia prizes to bring them right in. <laughs> yeah. Rain them in, baby. Rain them in with those cheap hats and t-shirts. Yeah. Baby. So yeah, the extra, extra larges. Yeah, yeah. Sitting <laughs> in the warehouse. That's why I'm easy on the beers. I'm trying to get that yeah. back down to an X now. <laughs> So I'm yes. really curious about this uh, wine versus beer dinner thing. What, yeah, what, what, what's going on so with that? So we did. So I again, I you know, I started here and we did our first beer dinner. I did it with Patrick, and it was it was great. And that's kind of what started me on my path um, through beer. Um, that was I don't know four years ago, five years ago, something Many like that. Ago. Yeah, but um, so the most recently, uh, the most recent one we did was. Um, I was talking to Robert and I came up with this idea because we've done a bunch of beer dinners and one of the things that we always have is we always have people asking for glasses of wine, can I have a glass of wine? What, like, at the beer dinner? At the beer dinner, you know, yeah. and everybody, you know, so people always, there's always somebody at least, or, or who asked beforehand, hey, is it okay if instead of beer, if I can get, you know, maybe a glass of Chardonnay? So he's like, you don't, you don't want to say yes because you're in this industry and you're used to, you know, trying to please them. But like, it's a beer dinner. Like you're you're serving beer and you're pairing it up and you put a lot of well, damn effort it, into it. You know, is it is it usually the uh, like the husband's like, oh, I want to go to the beer dinner and then the wife's right. like, I don't want beers. So right. I mean, I not to generalize. It was Bob, Bob, the old old owner's yeah. wife, who was ordering yeah. the wine. <laughs> <laughs> she she was one of them. But anyways, so that's so that's where we came up with the idea of let's just you know, and it's a great age old you know thing that you know wine is better with food, and you know we in the beer industry don't think that, but I'm sure in the wine industry they don't think that. So mm-hmm. why don't we pit beer versus wine and. Uh, and Rob was a Psalm and I went through the Cicerone program. So I was like, let's do this, me versus you. So I said, listen, we're just gonna come up with the wines and we're gonna come up with the beers beforehand and then we're gonna talk to the chef and we're gonna figure out a menu. So he said, fine, you know, and he came back and he said, J-Lor. And I said, great, I got this great brewery in uh, upstate New York, Omegang, the best. I mean, they, they're owned by a Belgian uh, brewery, right. Duvel, and yeah. you know, they opened with a few other 
yeah, yeah. They, yeah. So they yeah. opened with Duvel and like three other small uh, breweries mm -hmm. from Belgium, oh. and then this importer who was um, DeWolf and something. But they they basically the reason that we have saisons still is because DeWolf imported saisons. Oh, yeah? The reason that we have Trappist beers here is because of this importer, and they opened Omegon with them. So it's like they basically the reason I say that is they know their shit. Yeah, yeah can I right. say that? You sure can. Okay, they know their stuff. Uh, but, uh, and they also, a lot of the, um, beers they make, they'll, um, like they made their Creek, which I featured on the first one with Leafins, which is this like very well-known, um, fruit beer, um, brewery, um, in Belgium. They've been making it for a thousand years or something. And so they ship it out there because that's their sister brewery. So I featured them, um, versus J-Lore and, uh, I mean, I guess we'll cut to the end, uh, now, when you say yeah. versus, how does it work? So we did. did so take... we did five courses. All right. So then you start out with a beer to match the wine, and then uh, the course brings the two together. Like how do you? Yeah. So so Robert picked Jaylor. I picked Omagong. I wasn't sure exactly what beers, but I knew that Omagong made a lot of uh, different beers, and he knew that Jaylor made a lot of different wines. And so then we figured out the menu, and from there he picked like the first one. He picked a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, and I picked um, a Creek, which is, you know, the cherry beer. Um, and from there, we just described to people. But what were you matching? Were you we were matching, matching the, the food. You are matching the yeah, food. Yeah, so not against so each other. So what was that first course? So it, it was, was one, one plate of food yep. and two different beverages. Yep. And you're, wine you, and, and beer. they're going to sit there and decide if they like the yep. beer better with that plate or the wine better exactly. with that plate. Right. Exactly. Okay. So okay. our first course uh, was a cheese board. We had a couple different cheeses, some fruit, some crackers, some nuts on there and then we put you know the the glass of creek down small pour because it's <laughs> it's five courses and five wines and five beers um and then we put the glass of wine down and so everybody tried it and you know we talked to them and tried to persuade them now do uh, you su uh, suggest you were at this dinner yeah. oh yes yeah, sir now do you suggest a, who goes first the wine or the beer is it a change from course to course it, they both were out together they're both out together and then we just kind of went around to tables and then also talked in front of the room a little bit um but there are 60 people up here so it was it was a lot of people it was packed it's packed um and, uh, but I yeah. mean, did you instruct them take a bite of cheese yeah, and well, then the wine, I mean, we, or, or we you talked do about whatever it, you yeah. want to do? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of left open. Go ahead, Patrick. Uh, no, I was, I was actually uh, sorry to interrupt you, but can I have four uh, stouts Absolutely. for them, please? The stout. <laughs> sorry, I was trying to order beer. No, trying, that's trying, that's trying to do it through sign language. Kentucky bourbon stout. Four of the uh, yeah, four of the Kentucky bourbon stouts. Put them on my bill, please. Oh, okay. Yes. We're it. currently at the pub, which is we're at the pub. We're ordering beer. Yes, try. Sorry. So tell me. So I'm I'm going to put myself okay. at this dinner. So I have in front of me now. I have a a, a plate of cheese, mm -hmm. cheese board, and uh, fruit, uh, nuts. And then I have a cherry beer and a Sauvignon Blanc. Yep. All right. So now I'm thinking to myself, all right, um, I want to eat a piece of cheese since I'm hungry. And I'm going to think like, all right, now what do I drink first? Does it matter to you guys? I'll, I'll, tell, you, one? I'll I, tell you what I did. And uh, so I'm obviously like kind of a seasoned professional on this. And it doesn't matter which one goes first. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Okay. You could do a beer, you could do one, and then switch it up. You know, like go alternate the other way. You're still going to just get something on the in-between that's going to cleanse your palate. 
what is a good palate cleanser? A piece of cracker. Um, you know, a quick trick to like cleansing your nose from smelling. Smell your smell your shirt, and that'll cleanse your nose so you can smell different smells again. Kind of resets it. Uh, eat a cracker in between, and they add a assortment of crackers and all that at the table and all that. So what I did is I took a sip of the of the wine in the beer, and then you know repeated it with the food in the mouth, and then I looked at like. So you tasted the wine versus the beer. Yep, those together. flavors. Okay. What those flavors tasted like. But really, it was sorry, wine versus we'll say cheese. So wine versus cheese, and then beer versus cheese, and kind of put those against each other. Okay. So you know what pairs better and why? Yes, and I I voted for the wine, and I'll tell you why, because on their assortment they had nuts, grapes, and cheese on there. If I took all three together, if I just had the cheese and the cherry, the creek, it was fantastic. But if I took all three, the cheese, grape, and nuts, which I was supposed to, and then added it in and then took a drink of the wine, the wine accompanied it. It didn't overwhelm it. And then when I did that with the, with the cherry, the cherry, the creek didn't interact well with the grapes. It kind of two acids together, right? Kind of messed up that pairing a little bit. But when I had it with the now, wine, what was the Sauvignon Blanc like? Was it was it little grassy, oaky, little oaky? Yeah. I tasted a little bit of uh, okay. I'm trying to think a little earthy. Uh, there's a little earthy and oakiness to it. And when I added that grape, the grape sweetened it up. The cheese kind of uh, add a little pungent to it, a little roundness. And then the nut just added that nutty flavor to like this sweet, cheesy, nutty kind of flavor to it. And it was just phenomenal. And the cherry overwhelmed it and it didn't combine well. And that was the little difference. Now, I wouldn't expect everybody to have that kind of palate and know that it, you can't go understand in there. the relationship. You gotta, you, you, right. you do it through practicing. And if you look at me, you realize <laughs> I practice food <laughs> a lot. You know what I mean? I, I've done it a lot. So you gotta look for those little idiosyncrasies, and that comes with practice. I'm yep. gonna help you next time, buddy. I hey, swear. That, I mean, that, I, th- I still he was think pride I'm, I'm gonna respectfully disagree with, with okay, him. Okay, well, I'd like to hear your side. Uh, I think it was a great pairing, and actually, 75% of the room thought it was a great pairing. And I'll tell you why. They were uneducated. Creek, the base beer, is an oud brune. An oud brune is very nutty, it's got a little bit of an acidicness, which is like that vinegar. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the dominant kind of characteristic is that cherry, but it's not overwhelming. Uh, we paired it with, we had some beautiful macaroons, which is gonna pair that nuttiness. We had actually a sour cherry chutney, which is obviously, I kind of put that in there because I knew I was pairing it with a beer and I picked out the chutney. So that was maybe kind of a cheap shot there, but I'll take it. You know, it's my beer dinner, so I get to do that. Uh, so the sour cherry and the cherry pair up. Uh, and then cheese is like just incredibly, we, we picked like a couple um, somewhat mild. Um, one was a goat gouda, which was great. Uh, and the other was uh, Was it a, a goat uh, smoked? No, it wasn't smoked. It was just a goat cheese that was a good. That was good. Um, so they weren't like extremely powerful, but they're still mouth coating. And what was the other cheese? It was a manchego from yeah from Spain. So that's so strong. It's strong, but not not very strong. It's got some flavor, but it's not it's not like a sharp cheddar. It's not anything like that. Um, 
and that carbonation just goes in there and just rips that out. You know, that cheese, you go in and you ever have like a blue cheese and it's just all in your mouth and it's beautiful, it's delicious, but that's all you can taste, yeah. right? Carbonation goes in and just kind of lifts it right up and rips it out and that, you know, the acidity as well and the acidicness from that Oud Brune does the same thing. So it goes in there and it just cleanses your palate. I didn't say it was a bad parent. I just thought the Sauvignon was better. <laughs> the Sauvignon, I will say the J. Loris were all beautiful wines. They, they were, were they were all incredible. And it was it does go to show you that like after we were doing it, wine is a great pairing. It, the, all the wines were a great pairing. And the beers were a great pairing. I thought too. You know, it was just everything worked. They were very close, and you can give a very good reason for each of those pairings for why it's the better pairing. So so you really just kind of sit back and say that. Depending on the overall night of which one won, just had to do with what crowd you had. Yeah. But gotta, overall, it's probably, because you've got all the wine people and all the beer people together, it'd probably yeah. be a 50-50. And it's a small sample size, you know? you gotta yeah. you got to do this probably 50 times to really kind of get any information on, like, what the better pairing is. And it's, yeah, it's the food, and it's, yeah. you know, right. whether you were fighting with your spouse, you know, before, and you yeah. come in, and, you know, she likes wine, maybe, and you're angry <laughs> at her. You know, it's like all these things that come in. And, you know, the bottom line is we have, what is it, like 10,000 receptors on our tongue. Yeah. you're. Ne I always say you're never right and you're never wrong. You uh -huh. know, there's, there's no right or wrong. Like, what I think a strawberry tastes like, you may not think it tastes like that. So there's really... A big difference in how you perceive things. Oh yeah, I agree. and people can taste different things. Like I always say, there's this lady that could taste diacetyl, which is a bad flavor in beer, better than anybody else, and it tastes like butter popcorn. And now she's like sits on a board for this brewery <laughs> to taste all flavors because she and she's like her bookkeeper. And uh, the nothing to do with beer, but she could taste butter popcorn. She could taste better that. than anybody. Wow. Yeah. So it now, all is that before like a beer becomes like skunky. Like back no, no, in my no. day, we used to call it skunky. Uh, no, that's actually yeah. so. What that that's is, not. that's called light struck. What happens is, is there's molecules from the hops inside the beer. Sun strikes that, and it creates a molecule that's that same molecule that's in a skunk's. Uh, Tail when it sprays its little spray, and that's why it's Same called skunk. Yeah, yep. Oh, light struck. Yeah, it's light struck. You yeah. want, you want to taste it? So it go go get a Heineken. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Alex said that, not Patrick. By the way, go <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get go get a Corona. But I know the also I know, Alex. The, Heineken, <laughs> I know the Heineken does have that. Yeah. A lot little bit that's, of that's why what I call it is a bite. Yeah. So when people say, oh. They never had Stella before. I'm like, oh, it's like Heineken without the bite. Yeah. Sort of, you know? It's, some people it's, like that. I mean, skunk yeah. isn't a bad well, thing. I mean, some people like that flavor. I, I think skunk smells like actual skunk to me smells like garlic. It's strange, but I've looked it up, and there's definitely people who it smells like mm. it smells like garlic, too. So that's what I smell. Is that why they put garlic around them when they get skunked? Or they always say like they rub garlic on themselves and tomato, and tomato juice. juice. Tomato yeah. juice for the acid. Probably yeah. the acid that brings yeah. it down. Yeah. But I, I love the smell of uh, of skunk, mm -hmm. and I could smell. I do too. For me, it's almost skunk like the a, skunk, not skunk the beer. Right? Skunk right. the skunk. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like an aphrodisiac. So, so you're not. Yeah. Exact, I also you know, enjoy it. Just, it's very strange. Uh, so you get all turned on with you. Uh, oh my! I, I just well, feel like I, 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 my I, I, testosterone level yeah. go up. Yeah. And I just 
I hope you don't have any skunks around. I talked to somebody because I, I thought the same thing. I was like, that doesn't, you know, when you're driving by and you catch a whiff and you're like, that's not as bad as what people say. Yeah. But they say that's the lingering effect. Yeah. The yeah. initial spray, yes. oh. they say, your eyes burn. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's you, yeah. you won't, My it's dog, not an aphrodisiac yeah. at that My point. dog got sprayed by that's a skunk exactly and right. it don't smell like It's awful. Yeah. It is God. And it. My dog got sprayed by a skunk, and I swear I was getting, you would get pockets of smell for about six months in my house. Yeah. Wow. But what do you let the dog in the house? You let the dog in the house. I'm like, what are you doing? You let the dog in the house? Keep him outside. It was three in the morning. I'm like, let the dog in No one's going to go near the dog now. Or the house. Or exactly. <laughs> Did you do the tomato juice? Oh thing? God, I tomato juice. Um, the tomato juice. I think Dove soap. I did like the blue soap. I it did. doesn't come yeah, out. Yeah, no, no it took exactly. A long, it takes a long time. It to got it. To by the end of the day, I was. We were good enough. I mean, I spent eighty dollars on cleaning materials. I scrubbed the walls. Uh, it was tolerable at that point. Like it didn't. It didn't smell awful by like four o'clock. And I've been working on it since eight o'clock that morning. And the funniest thing is, I had to call out of work that day, and they said I called out stinky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So if you really think Anakin tastes like skunk, just straight up, right out, you, it smells actually. You don't. Smells. You don't really. Oh, you don't really okay. taste uh, skunk right, or like but, you shrub, but you do. You do it, smell you it. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you smell something, you also. Taste it, yeah, mm -hmm. to a certain extent. But smell is yeah. the the highest right. form of memory as well. So yeah. it's like you don't ever yeah. forget that. <laughs> but um, I, I, it always blows my mind that they always use a, a green bottle, yeah. which is the least amount of light protection. Well, and then there's like there's clear bottles, but then just a step above that is green. Is green. Yeah. Well, you know they can. Um, so Miller High Life uses a clear bottle. There is um, there's science to where you can. You can add a molecule into the beer mm -hmm. and prevent it from being skunked, but people are used to that flavor of Heineken and Corona, so they don't do that. You don't want to mess with somebody's beer, well, especially a brewery like Heineken or Corona, where people know what they're getting with Heineken and Corona. Yeah, that's true. I still have a fond memory of Heineken, even though yeah. I, you know, oh, I don't uh, drink it. Like it was my first beer that I remember yep. because I drank it when we were actually in. Belgium, but with my family, and we drank Heineken, and is I just remember. Beer? Is it? Uh, no, I mean it it's probably wasn't fresher. Really. Yeah, I mean, that's different. It's fresher. But does it have any? Yeah, it tastes the same. It tastes the same. It's yeah. the same as I agree, but you know, people it's say everywhere. it tastes different. But you got to look at the outside factors of what's going on in that person's world. They're drinking a fresher beer. Um, What's the air quality? Like, what's the scene that they're drinking it in? What's the glass? Yeah, they're it's, elevated because location too. They're not they, there. It could be right? a you're, whole bunch of different things. I mean, your heightened awareness. And I, you know, to Alex's point, I loved Heineken, mm -hmm. Rolling Rock, Corona. I mean, the craft. And as a craft guy, I'm supposed to like hate on them, but you know what? Without those people, we don't exist. And they still have a place. There's a place for them, you know? Yeah, and I agree with you. I always say I'm a beer lover. Yeah. I love all beer. There's yeah. not any beer out there I don't like. Don't hate on beer, man. Man, I just went down There's to... There's ones I don't uh, prefer. I just went down to the hate. Caribbean. They drink uh, Carib or Carib. Yeah, Carib. Yeah, have you ever yeah, had yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just a terrible light, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Again, that's here, But man, it's so good when it's hot out and yeah. you just and it's you cold. just pop one open yeah. and it's cold. Yeah, it's 
it's all you need sometimes. I know as we drink this lovely stout right. <laughs> at 42 oh. degrees, you know, yeah. talking about ice, but mm. that ice cold beer, mm -hmm. it's people still want it. Yeah, you know, don't don't let. But these... you wouldn't have it at a, uh, a food pairing. Oh, I could. Oh, I could make a wonderful pairing with a Heineken. Think about it. You got garlic. like yo. You could do a garlic You're talking about pizza. The, the beer, the beer I don't, can no, chicken. No, I'm not. Ta I'm talking about the lighter. Lagers. Oh, I'll tell you what. No, you could that take. Are. So we used to actually, you know, one of the things we did, we used to take Stella Artois. You could take I Heineken. Love Stella. You could take Heineken. You could take Corona, and you pair it with his um, art, spinach, spinach and artichoke dip, because that carbonation is going to cut right through the cheese. And there's that little earthy bitterness and Heineken and all there mm -hmm. that's going to match up with the spinach and artichoke, and it's going to that carbonation is going to cut through the cheese and it goes well. It does. It's phenomenal. You you compare. Come on, who didn't who didn't like a Bud Light with chicken wings? I I, I oh, Bud on. Light's the only beer that I don't like. Okay, well and for Miller all the Light. people that aren't cool like you, I'd rather have Bush. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, cool. Bush, yeah. Did you see that Bush I, commercial on yeah, the uh, Super Bowl? Yeah, oh God, great. what is this world come to? <laughs> oh, yeah. Bush on the Super Bowl. I know that's big Sweet. time. Oh my God, Bush, Bush is like its the own world, brand. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, Bush is its own brand. Now. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're not going to see. <laughs> listen, after that commercial, you're not going to see a seventeen ninety nine thirty rack of mom. Bush anymore? It's gonna have to be a twenty ninety nine thirty. They gotta pay for that Super Bowl ad now. Seventeen ninety nine for a thirty pack. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's like I'll, I'll actually no. You don't. You don't. Miller was no, on, on sale for fourteen ninety nine. Wow. I saw last week. Yeah. But well, you know, Bud did. But My college self is like very excited about that. I know, <laughs> oh, right? I, mean, I went to school in Michigan. So we we were Strohs, man. Strohs. You want to hear a good story about pricing and its effect on that industry? especially that category of beer. I used to work for of course Miller House and um, Keystone Light, and this is going back the best. 12 years ago, maybe 11, um, had nothing, nothing on Bush back then. But then uh, Coors came out with a nine, uh, Keystone's made by Coors. I don't know that. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, came out with a 9.99 30 pack. So we had 10.99s everywhere and we were, Thirteen. We were three dollars cheaper than Bush at the time, and then like wow. two dollars less than Natty, which are both Bud products. Wait, it was nine ninety nine for a thirty pack. We sold it to the retailer oh, for nine ninety nine, oh. and they, they charged. Sold it. There were a couple okay. nine ninety nines out there, yeah. but uh, mainly it was a ten ninety nine thirty rack. Wow. It it uh it went from maybe we sold ten cases a month to selling five thousand, and then it was in people's vernacular. And that's it, what it that's over what we a, drank in college. A three month time period. That's what you drank. That, it was Keystone, and then you know it was other it was Keystone things. Ice, man. It's Keystone always Keystone Ice. Yeah, Keystone <laughs> ice. <laughs> is there a Keystone Ice? Oh yeah, because it's a higher in the college level. You gotta have the ice. It's the higher percentage. You know, you're there to your ice brewing. You gotta make sure it's there for a point. Water freezes. Water freezes before alcohol. Right. So you get that ice back to scrape that ice off, and then that's. See, you're learning something today. I never went there. No, back in my day, well, I'm from the school of Michigan, so it was yeah. Strohs. Strohs. 
Charcoal. Wasn't that char- it was charcoal? Charcoal. Charcoal. Right? Yeah. yeah. Charcoal. So I sold Stroh's. Very distinctive taste. Actually, huh. nothing else like it. They're, they're actually. What does it a, taste like? It wasn't charcoal. It was. It was oh, yeah? a lager. It was a pilsner. Wasn't Olympia a charcoal, charcoal filter too? No, I don't know. Olympia was cleaner than that. But I'll, I'll tell Olympia you. Olympia out of Washington. I used yeah. to have friends who went to school in Washington, and they would bring. That was before you could get stuff here. Yeah. They would come back with cases of Olympia, and it would be like yes. And this was before when Adolf wouldn't let cores like travel. Yeah. No. And when you had to punch tops, you know, the little two holes yeah. that you punched in, of course it was another animal. It was um, an amazing, amazing hmm. beer. So you're, <laughs> say, so you're saying at one point, Coors was like Sip of Sunshine. Hmm. Where everybody yeah. In Olympia. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't they made it. a movie about having Coors Banquet. Smokey <clears throat> and the Bandit. I didn't see Smokey. Burt Reynolds? I know. I love Burt, but I didn't see that. Just saw the commercials. Uh, Lonnie was <laughs> Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Burt Anderson, Reynolds, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell you something about Yeah, but you're right, though. Coors was a sip of sunshine. I mean, yeah. my God. And Olympia, I don't know. It's always been, always been going on. Nevada, I mean, we couldn't out. get that stuff, so we'd have to wait for people to come. So there's something about the regionalism that I like. Mm-hmm. Right? Something like New England kind of... Stay, although there's great beers that you've turned me on to from Los Angeles out of all places. And well, it's uh, got a lot of great stuff. I mean, yeah, stuff coming through. But every, you know, the cool thing is every state has its, you know, now, yeah, breweries, you know, yeah. Like, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe like Arkansas doesn't have anything. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I bet you, I bet you they do. Yeah, 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 but I, you know, I never go there, I don't know, but um, every state has their, has their thing, so just find it. I think that's great. I think it's great that, you know, we brought it all back around. Sip to Coors. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Before, if you asked us to relate Sip of Sunshine to Coors Light, we'd be speechless. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, how would you? Right yeah, yeah, how did you? Oh, my God. Cyclical. Really? Yeah. It's, all, it's always been there. Yeah. It's always been there. Trust yeah. me. And then Sam is like the king of craft. So, yeah. and, I'll, and I'll tell you something about Sam. You know, a lot of people call them too mainstream now. But you gotta realize this guy did it himself. My, and he still does it himself. Still does yeah. it. He's got quite the sales force under Oh him. man, yeah. One of the best well, chill, that's how he started. Yeah. yeah, he did it himself. And you know what? You could say it was him, and I'll always give this plug. He had a girl named Rhonda. And uh, she was his original CEO, I she, think. She's come in here. Yeah, she has. Okay. Yeah. So she actually does she owns is it Harbor Harbor Distilleries, yeah. yeah. And uh, so when he started off in Boston, he was brewing this beer. He met a bartender named Rhonda, hired her, and she would go. And There's a Netflix this... documentary about her. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And uh, she pushed the beer she made, Sam Adams. You you want to you want to meet a salesman? Man, she, she salesman. is good. <laughs> I my old GM told me she goes, she would she would tie it on with the boys she can she was a she can hang with the good old she goes goes, i'll never forget you know one time i was you know we're out running around and then we started having drinks you know and then she's like well i gotta go because i gotta go give a speech over here and she was always on the run and she was beautiful smart beautiful high energy and she sold it and she made sam adams jim cook to this day says his biggest mistake was ever letting her go why didn't you let her go You'd have to ask Jim Cook. She actually left, I believe, to open. Um, you know, Four Loco. 
when that was like a big thing. Oh, when you it remember was, that? Yeah. She didn't own that, but she started her own company before that, I believe, that was doing the same thing, energy drink and beer. And then Four Loco came around, made a pretty bad name for it, ended up going under. Now she owns uh, Harbor Distillery, or I'm not sure the exact name, but um, basically she takes, I think, exclusively Sam Adams beers and distills it. So you get Sam Adams stout and they put it through a distillery and they come up with like almost a whiskey and it has a lot of those stout notes. Nice. Um, but she's doing well now with that. She's pushing it. She, so she came in here and just knocked and uh, came in. She said, I own I own this. And I was like, I've seen a documentary about you. So you have seen the Netflix <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stuff. And I saw it before and she came in and uh, we talked and I bought uh, a bunch of her whiskeys. <laughs> cool. She's good. So you, you have a personal testimony that she is as good as She is good, yeah, yeah. But she has a good product too. I mean, she has yeah. Sam Adams. It always that comes down to that. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. cool. It's interesting. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try. I know some. it's hard when people come in and you gotta be like, "Sorry, it's just that's you know you know your clientele, you know." Yeah, and you here, gotta you, know you gotta get good at saying no. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still learning that. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard. You know, like a guy like I, you know, you develop great relationships like Patrick. You know, he's a friend of mine now. He started as a distributor, and you know, he would come in and you know say, "Take this," and be like, "All right," you know. And I will still for some people. Um, but then, you know, other people, you get people coming in every week for me. I mean, oh, yeah, that's you their know, job. I, I want to put this on tap. I have 13 draft lines. I can only put so many on, you know? Yeah. It's you really, you got to learn to say, not just no, but maybe at some point, but can't guarantee it. Sorry. But also, like you were saying before, if, if you have to have something that separates you from the rest of the yeah. pack just to get on the waiting list. Yeah. You know you what do. I mean, sort of. So just you do. and do you explain that to them? Do well, you? Yeah, do say, they understand? That? I mean, I'll tell them if it's not a good fit, and I'll tell them why. I'll say, listen, I have 13 draft lines again. You know, right. uh, I'm I have two. I, I have an IPA and an IPL. I'm not putting another IPA on because I need some uh, diversity in my draft lines. You know, I want to have. I have Stella on, you know, that's my one kind of light international lager. Right. Uh, I want to have a good stout, you know, I want to have uh, a good amber ale, you know, I want to have a good scotch ale if I can, or a good, you know, Belgian style. Mm -hmm. So I want to have that diversity in line. So I'll tell them that, listen, you know, you have something that fits my need, sure. And then I, I do rotate through a couple lines so I can just throw some interesting stuff on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has to fit within what my vision of my, because I, I put a lot of thought into my draft list and my bottle list. Do, do you combine that with uh, with your chef too? If he's like, hey, you know, we got oh, this week, we got these specials that I want to do because yeah. they sound great. And you're like, okay, well, is that going to work well when a salesman comes in with something and be like, that works perfect? Or? Yeah, we'll do some pairings and things like that and, and try to kind of push some things that work well together. and. Um, seasonality. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can't have too many dark beers in, in the summer. You, you just a, can't, you know? You can't have a gingerbread beer in the right, summer. Right, right, right. So that's when I get Although, But, yeah, so it has to kind of fit within who's ever vision of who's ever buying, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's a package store yeah. oh, or yeah. a restaurant or, you know, I mean, some people are lucky. They have, you know, 50 draft lines and they can throw on whatever they want. You know, right. I'm, I'm not that fortunate. I have to be very selective. Yeah. So I you just learned, you've, I've done this for five years. You know, you learn to be 
selective. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this about draft lines too. Back 11, 12 years ago, people weren't rotating their lines. You know, they didn't have three lines open for rotation. So getting a draft line was like it was a huge an step. act of God to get a draft line. You know, I mean, I got three draft lines today. You know, they're not all going to be permanent lines. They're on a rotational basis. But because, you know, they have, you know, your, your keys to get that permanent line. But more and more people are rotating in and out all the time. Of course. Well, before, I mean, I know, I know, you know, Anheuser-Busch guys would come in and they would basically, <laughs> they'd yeah. be like doing the, yeah. the big kahuna, well, you know? know? And so we're going to take up the real estate yeah. now. Yep. I, I, when I look back at it, I mean, in my history of, of beer drinking, you know, when I was early age, I was always looking for the craft beer. And I was always looking for something different. But every bar you went into, there was really only like three, four lines. There never was anything more than that. Oh, God, yeah. If right. there was something special, it was really only a bottle. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, there was never really a line of anything. And then I, I don't really know when it particularly changed. I think I was drunk too many times to pay attention. <laughs> I could actually tell you because I'll never forget uh, my Sam Adams rep goes to me. He goes, you know, we were putting in a button to do tap takeovers. Like, what are tap takeovers? He goes, where we come in and do five or six of our beers on tap. I was like, nobody even has five or six. And this was probably about six, seven years ago. Maybe eight. And uh, it was right around then. Okay. People started. You know, I'm sure Boston and New York was probably a lot sooner to the table than us down here in yeah. southeastern Connecticut or Rhode Island. But yeah, just six, seven years ago, you would see a lot of places like eight lines. There's a lot of lines, you know. And so wait, here's a question for you. Yeah. Then you bring it up because you, you talk about Boston and New York. I mean, they're big importing hubs too. So like uh, more, uh, oh. you know, uh, European, German yeah. styles. I mean, Belgian styles coming through. I don't really see them as much anymore on the bottles. So do, no. do you, uh, do you, can you remember maybe a time where that was, was a transition there too? Um, again, right around that six, seven year ago. Okay. It all really started popping about six, seven years ago, and uh, I don't know what, you know what I say it is? I, I say, you know, Bud and them started faltering when social media came into the forefront. When somebody, when DVR was invented and people didn't start looking at commercials, uh -huh. and you could really peg it to when Facebook got big, is when the craft beer blew up, and like, you know, you see like a brewery like Harpoon Brewery went from having, you know, IPA in a seasonal to 17 different beers in yeah. a 10,000 seat beer hall. That is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I and think that all it, happened it, seven years ago. It all yeah. happens. It's more like grassroots yeah. word of mouth as opposed to coming down at you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was more like. Swelling up and growing, like, and but the word of mouth is it. Just like you were talking about, Simple Sunshine people, they that walk Instagram, out and they're doo -doo -doo. Instagram, yeah. social media, and that catches fast. fire fast. People are, and people are, you know, they're not, they're not going to be dictated to what they should buy. You know, they're not as slave. I'll always say this, you know, like the reason why Coca Cola, Marlboro, Bud were big is because they were around in the 1960s when you had three channels and they had a jingle mm -hmm. you know like that was what people understood and 
you know, like ivory soap got big because it it uh, it created soap operas. It sponsored soap operas, yeah. right? and you know that's how. And that isn't there anymore. We need to bring the jingle back. Yeah. <laughs> so and now it's all so. And then on top of and it's still there's still like a marketing aspect to it because now it's all farm to table local. Well, what a surprise! Now there's 700 local beers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's you see what it is and. You're fighting for that spot, but I mean, if you go to Boston and New York, you want to see a craft beer explosion. I mean, it's triple what it is in southeastern Connecticut, just solely on the availability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never seen that many craft beers. I mean, and there's there's more than like ten accounts in Boston with a hundred draft lines. It's crazy. Well, you couldn't, you couldn't support that. Centralized. No. Well, you, I mean, yeah, well, I mean but demographic is definitely. Yeah, I that, mean, come but. on. And plus, Boston is like college capital. It's a hub of, the of everybody. It's yeah. a hub of everybody. But so, in okay, New York. and you look at it in that sense, okay, yeah. and then like, so it's a hub and it exploded, right? Yep. But like the top tier stuff, people are in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. making beer, and the pe- true beer lovers travel to mm-hmm. that spot to see it so it's almost like it's almost like this this trend of moving towards like uh, in a lot of ways I've said it before like a Europe Europe setting yeah where each town has its own unique thing and you you know if you go travel well that's how Germany, we used to be here in New England yeah each town used to have its own <laughs> Penny Lane pub mm-hmm. yeah. you know each town had I mean we're kind of going back to the whole regionalism, local thing again, but that's where we started. Right. But I will, I will tell you this: that will almost forever always be true. Bud throws out in a day more than what these local breweries will make in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah, but but and it's in a brewery; they're a distribution. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. They, no, you know, right. Coca-Cola As much as these local no. beers fight and they're going against each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, we have 15% of the market or something like that. I mean, it's... Bud owns almost 50% of the market. It's still... And they're buying up more and more. But that's right. Right. Now yeah. they own Breckenridge, Blue Point. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of Blue Point for a while. <laughs> I'll tell you who they don't own. They don't own all text Lexington and Stone. And they never will. They never will. <laughs> all right. On that note, yeah. thank you. That's a smart call because I, I know almost every brewery that Bud has purchased and owned or, or taken over. Um, I, I taught, you know, I've been a couple of places in yeah. Blue Point, and the guys, you can see how miserable they are. Mm-hmm. They hate doing what they do now because they're constantly being told what to do. But they work for the man. And they don't have a passion about it anymore. So, I mean, I, I think I think eventually that's going to show up and fall off the map. I mean, it, it, yeah, but for the guys who were, you know, who came up with the brewery and want to hit sell. that yeah, yeah. and they want to yeah, sell. Yeah, yeah. Gives them an opportunity to do that's something it. else. You know? You know? For every then, for every person that says, I want to stick to the craft beer, they also have to feed a family as right. well. So, but yeah, then yeah, yeah. that's what's most amazing about like a guy like uh, Jim Pope, who owns Sam Adams. Like he could have sold for so much money. So much money. And he still could. But he owns a hundred percent. He stuck to his guns. Dude's a billionaire. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like a lot of people do sell out and there's, you know. And that's okay, but uh, I'll tell you, I can never get confirmation on this story. But there's like an urban legend. Uh, Budweiser back in the early '90s 
like this craft beer thing was a big thing back in the early 90s mm-hmm. but then it, it it burst so there has been a bubble burst before. and the beer wasn't nearly as good yeah not as many breweries and there wasn't social media back then people were still watching commercials mm-hmm. which i still think but this was all on the west coast though, no, no, right? no no this was everywhere no there was a lot of catamount out here was one of them Coney Island beer mm-hmm. was one. Oh, of them. I remember Coney Island. Yeah, well, still those around were, now. Those were yeah. your, resurrected. Those were yeah. your original craft breweries. Yeah, and uh, so there's an. I don't know if this. I've never got a confirmation if this is true, but one of those stories here. Uh, so Bud was looking to buy one of these. You know, they saw that like, wow, Sam Adams is getting. You know, you, you start seeing the reports like, okay, why is why did we lose twenty draft lines in Connecticut this month? Well, there's this brewery, Sam Adams, that, well, okay, let's talk to him, you know? And um, so they called Sam, they called Jim Cook and, you know, said, you know, we want to buy your company. He goes, oh, I thought you were calling me to have me purchase you. <laughs> I don't know. I've never got confirmation if that's true. <laughs> if I ever meet him, that's going to be the question I ask. <laughs> yeah, so on that note. That had to I'm feel good. good. If, that, if that's true, that, right? that had to right? feel good. Yeah. And now he, maybe he could. Yeah, right. <laughs> what do you say about one more round of beers? Hey, it's Lamont of InsideThePassion.com. Thanks for listening. If you haven't had an opportunity to check out our website, InsideThePassion.com, hit it up. Each episode is supported with a dedicated webpage with photos and links. And you can also browse some of the other categories, brew, music and art, or rhythm and voice at InsideThePassion.com.